And the scary thing is, sometimes when we oh, cross... Oh, Are you okay? Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. Welcome to the All Things Narrative Podcast. We are glad you are here. This is the middle of our genre series, and we've only got a couple more left. And so for those of you who have been sticking with us since we started back in February, thank you guys. Um, this is always something that when I talk to people, they're kind of like, I didn't know genres could be this deep. I didn't know there could be this much to them. And so we are going to tackle horror today, which I will confess in the episode at first that I was least looking forward to. Really? Why? I did not, I did not know you did not want to do this. What, lack of plot and character? Yeah, well, more like lack of character, right? But you see, I've got Nick, Jason, and Joseph with me, and you guys make this so much better, so much fun, <laughs> because I know you guys really wanted to do this one. So you guys couldn't wait to get to this yeah, one. because we, we put Nick over here, <laughs> and then we put Jason over there, and then we, and then we all come out through here. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good this is gonna be good because man, this has been a journey uh, a lot of people that I've told we're doing horror are like why um, what like good can come from like talking about horror and evil and hell right and that's kind of what we're gonna wrestle with today is horror why, why are you shaking your head I was like, there's a horror every single day. Every like, single day. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready to talk about this one. Listen, it's yeah. a cold world, no blanket out here. <laughs> you know? We are dealing with this every day, and if nobody wants to admit it, that's fine. But, but I'm accustomed to this. So, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna go in deep, and we're gonna explore some different horror films. We're gonna talk a little bit about how horror developed, particularly in the film industry. And then we will uh, share some picks that we have that we're going to just do a little bit of a, an analysis on for you guys. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into this. All right, guys. So, as usual, I'm going to do a little uh, description of the horror genre that I came up with uh, just to kind of give us a framework of how um, we're going to talk about this genre here. So, here we go. The horror genre taps into our deepest psychological fears, drawing them to the surface so that we might confront them. As we descend into hell, we may only escape by sheer coincidence or dumb luck. Our aversion to witnessing horror reminds us that there is a healthy side to fear, that there are in fact real dangers that affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. In another sense though, horror can embolden us to not run away from those fears, but to face them head on. Protagonists face these fears by learning how to overcome a monster that stands in the way of harmony. These monsters can be physical creatures or human, ones that are symbolic of a psychological state, such as vampires, werewolves, and mummies. These monsters can also be abstract forces of nature gone awry. And if one is not careful, the protagonist can find themselves in a tragedy where they are at risk of becoming the monster in their own story. Ultimately, horror serves as a chilling reminder of what we are capable of doing to ourselves 
and the world around us. It's the having to confront, it kind of sounds like confronting your own hell. Yeah. Each mm-hmm. each person has to confront their own hell. And again, it says dumb luck. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, it's not even a sense of, I guess in a sense of like our, our righteous or even good, it all happens to everybody. Like mm-hmm. it, it could happen to you. It could happen to me, but there's no, you know, it can yeah. take you immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we, we can get out, but it's so interesting because it's almost like in a lot of these horror films, it's what we might call like the act of God, right? Mm-hmm. The deus ex machina. There's something that comes in and makes it so that the protagonist can escape alive. That's the Lord bringing us out of the darkness. Come on, Jason. It's like the, it's like the car hitting Anton Chigurh, except it, uh-huh, it was uh-huh. a little late. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a good example. Well, not there. late for someone. Someone's yeah. been spared at least for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a good point there. So, any thoughts, Nick? On the the last line, I like is uh, horror serves as a chilling reminder of what we are capable of doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that just stuck out. I don't know why. Yeah, but and also there is no overcoming in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. That was escaping. Mm-hmm. Like, literally escaping. Yep. She ba- and she barely made it in that sense. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's a fun one. I, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. The line that you said, Nick, that reminds me of The Fly. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but that's like almost the, the horror of, of, of self obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, oh, I was going to say they're, they're not always external forces or external mm-hmm, monsters mm-hmm. that are after us, it's the internal horror. Mm-hmm. That yeah. comes up in a lot of the genres. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the comments I got on the last couple episodes was like, hey, can you mention a little more what these genres have to do with narrative therapy, right? So like the Western is around a very particular discourse, for example, about what it means to be a man, right? Like mm-hmm. in a society of law, order, trying to maintain that. Do you have a certain set of beliefs about what a real man is? And that's what you're trying to live into, Right. And with the horror, it's really interesting because we talk about problems a lot in narrative practices. And one of the core beliefs that we have in narrative practices is that people are not the problems in and of themselves. There's something else that's the problem that affects people, right? And so we talk about that a lot on here. But in terms of relating to horror... A lot of horror, like external forces and monsters and these different things, they represent some sort of problem, right? They could represent um, the accumulation of a lifetime of abuse, or they could represent the personification of what happens, and I'm thinking of more something more like a thriller, right? Like in the Joker yeah. film, like what happens when mental health goes unchecked, right? Mm-hmm. What happened? when we allow someone to fall through the cracks of the system. And so they represent in an externalized way real problems that we experience in our world. And then in terms of the internal, that's always the harder thing, right? Because like, well, what does it mean to talk about this on an internal level? But it's recognizing, at least the way I take it, is that there are stories that are constantly inviting us to be a part of them inviting us into them. And we have to decide which stories we want to give ourselves to in life, right? And I think when we get to some of these examples like The Fly and Sweeney Todd later, where we focus more on the internal side of this, we'll see that these are people who have a certain narrative 
about their life, about the world, and they choose to allow that to become the dominant narrative. And they embody um, in that narrative the problem that they ironically are hoping to defeat and overcome. Mm. So talking about the horror genre here, this is kind of like the Western. It's one of the oldest genres when it comes to film. Like you go back to like silent films, like Nosferatu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people have loved doing horror in film for the longest time. Now it really started to boom. Um, did you guys watch like the classic black and white universal monster films growing up at all? Or no. you ever seen any of those? My dad watched mm-hmm. some. But- yeah. In the late 20s and the 30s, there's like a whole series of these monster films. There's like Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dracula, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And it's actually the first cinematic universe uh, in movies because they start doing crossovers with them. The horror and, multiverse. Yeah, horror yes, multiverse. that's... The, yeah, there's the like this. Universe of madness. Yes, <laughs> yes. One. That's what Doctor. Werewolf and Dracula. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They would pair them together, right? That with those actors, you know. Yeah, so like Bella Gosi, Dracula, Dracula, and then the and then know? the alternate timeline is Van Helsing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm, I love that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. <laughs> we have to mention it. Yeah. So, so the classic, those classic horror movies all deal with um, classic horror stories that mostly come from novels or short stories in fiction writing. And that's where a lot of early horror comes from. And that's where a lot of horror stuff comes from in general is from these stories here, right? You could take every one of those monsters. Um, Like I did this with uh, Tori when we watched the original Dracula film. And I said like, yeah, Dracula, there's like so much going on there about desire and about like attraction. And there's a lot of pseudo like almost like reverse communion, like going on, like right when you think of like the Lord's Supper. Mm. And so there's a lot of stuff going on with vampires that's really significant on like a psychological and symbolic level. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a lot of these, I think why a lot of these horror movies like really gravitate towards is they're anchored in specific uh, things that inspired them at the time, but they also transcend it and give us stories about, you know, kind of like sci-fi about the human experience. So those do really well. And then in the 40s, they continue to get made. And then it's not till the 50s, though, where horror really starts to do well, particularly the later half of the decade. So in television, you get the Twilight Zone. And the Twilight Zone was really known for these metaphysical journeys, really known for sci-fi. And the other genre was known for bringing to the forefront was horror. So, like, have you guys ever seen any of the more, like, horror-esque Twilight Zones, mm-hmm. like Living Doll or Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, mm-hmm. some of those yeah. ones? Yeah. Are there any that really stand out to you that memorable uh, or? The Invaders is one that stands out. It's a mm-hmm. it's mostly silent. And it's yeah, about yeah, yeah. this woman at home, and she's, like, preparing food, and these little tiny monsters start to invade. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, uh, and they start to, like, torment her, and she's yeah. trying to escape. It's mostly silent the whole movie until the very end, mm-hmm. where she, like, destroys one of the invaders, and the invaders is actually a human from Earth. And he's like, like, don't come to this planet. There are monsters on this planet. And, mm-hmm. like, we need help. And she's actually the monster at the very end. 
But it's oh. got all the horror elements. Yeah. Of just like the, very, the suspense, yeah. right? Yeah. That's that one of my so favorite good. ones. Oh my gosh. I'm going to watch that. Now. I was in 516. I'd take my phone to the right ceiling. Right to Do you remember? Ceiling, yeah. I was just uh-huh. watching Twilight Zone in my bed <laughs> for hours. I think the one that you showed me was the one where the um the guy, like the world ends and he's the last person there. And then That's oh, the first yeah. one. Yeah. That's the very first one. And yeah. then he, um, what's it called? He gets all the books. He all the books, yeah. Classes, oh right? no. Yes, that's the first one I saw, but that one's my favorite. Yeah, 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 time yeah. enough at last. Yeah. So I didn't even think of that being a so, problem. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Awful. So one. So Wait, why can't he just find new glasses though? No, it was no. Well, you you have hates, to see it. See that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I want to ruin it for everybody. It's good. It's so, brilliant. I, yeah. It's there, really brilliant. There are some episodes of the Twilight Zone that are so dark that a lot of people don't even know about. Yeah, so like, there's the one ones. episode. It's called Long Distance Call, and it's about a, a young boy. And yes, it's like a real kid. Um, that's acting and I'll say why in a second, but it's a young boy and he keeps getting this phone call from someone and the mom is really concerned. Like, who are you talking to? Right. You shouldn't be talking on the phone to stranger. And it's his dead grandma that's calling from the other side. And the dead grandma is, Oh, just wait, is telling the boy to come meet him and join her on the other side. So the boy actually tries. Yes. Jeez. Yes. And the mom is horrified, right? That's awesome. And th- there's some really dark <laughs> ones. I'm like, how did this make it like in 1960? I'm about to start watching them now. How well, did there, there are a lot of Well, I, I want for Christmas, I want the whole collection. Yeah. So I want to have them, right? Because they're even like the episodes that people don't know about mm-hmm. as much. Some of those, those are some of the even more horrifying ones. The most famous Twilight Zone episode actually is a horror one, though. And it's one called It's a Good Life. And it's about a boy that basically has these powers and the whole town is like soup. They have to like think happy thoughts and do things that are going to please the boy because the moment one of them says or does something that doesn't fall in line with what the boy wants, he can make them disappear mm-hmm. Oh, and sends oh them like out gosh. of existence. Oh, and so it's scary. all about, so can it's a horror story. Yeah. 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 That's the whole point is he can read their thoughts and so I'm going it's, out quick. <laughs> but it's this whole horror story about spoiling the child, mm. right? What happens if you spoil the child? And this is a child that's been so spoiled. Yeah. Um, and the way it builds the tension with like the piano scene, mm-hmm. you know, and he like wants the guy to play a certain kind of music. Yeah. And the guy is like, mm-hmm. I'm tired of this music. I'm, I'm this sucks. I want to play this. And then bam, something horrible happens to him. So, oh, it's not even clean. What do you mean? What do you mean by clean? What do you mean like, something horrible happens to him? They like, disappear. No, it's not. Like, well, no, he gets it. turned into something. Oh, I can't oh. remember. Remember no, the I last shot of the episode? No, I can't remember. No, oh, he turned like, like a Mas- chicken or something? That's no. Stuff, turning people into No, he things. gets turned into the Jack in the Box. See? Okay. <laughs> With his head on. Nah, bro. That's Majin Oh, Boo, I do remember that. Yeah. Boo. He's over here turning people into Jack in the Box. The Twilight Zone is definite worth. A binge for the whole thing. For all the half of hour shows, and it's just they're all good. Yeah, around the time of the Twilight Zone, actually a few years beforehand, there's a film that comes out uh, that J- this is actually your pick, Jason. Hey, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Let's go. And this is a film that <clears throat> really brought horror and sci-fi together, mm-hmm. and L- like it was so. 
very interestingly, it was just another, it was originally going to just be another like studio, like B film project, but it's basically like a few hundred thousand dollars. So it was made on a super low budget and it was a film that the uh, director in the studio fought a lot about. There was a lot of tension. Really? There's a lot Why? of, well, because the, the director wanted it to be darker and have a darker, bleaker ending. And apparently the test audiences were so horrified by the ending that the studios made him change it. Um, but let's talk about this movie about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It would have been so good if they did keep it cut like that. If they, yeah. the cut, yeah. So, Even though so, I liked that there was hope at the there's end. There's a little bit of hope at the but end. But if they had ended it before that, it would have been. Yeah. 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 So Jason, I'd love to know, why did you pick this film? I remembered it. Yeah, no, it was a it was a black and white film. I remember watching it, and I really only remembered the end part. And so I just wanted to chase and see, okay, is this actually going to be a good movie or not? Yeah. You know? Spoilers, and, by the way, are coming. Oh, just I'm just letting the audience know. I don't know why I was like, oh, I'm going to be spoiled. Let me be careful. <laughs> the Twilight Zone. So, and it's funny because it ended up being very similar to a a sci-fi horror anime that I like to watch called Parasite. Mm -hmm. well, you told me about that one. Yeah, it's way gnarlier, mm. but it's this. It's around the same concept of the people looking just like us and behaving like us mm. um, are imposters and dangerous to us. Yeah. But in the same way, in both of them, mm -hmm. the imposters are apathetic. They don't have emotion. They don't have yeah. any concept of love or laughter or joy or anything like that. There's just... Like they're completely logical. Mm -hmm. They don't have and they just need to eat. Um it's kinda like a twisted version of um the Truman show. Literally like yeah. everything's fake. That's mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. But this is it's in a way of this this is a thing that's taking over slowly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the more it takes over, the harder it is to stop. And it's a wave of apathy. Yeah, and you don't know who you can trust. No. You don't know who's in on it, who's not. And it reminds me of all the um, the propaganda in the wars, like the Cold War. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, someone might the be Red a secret Scare. communist. Yeah. yeah, the Red Scare. You know what's funny, though, is like I totally thought that, too. And then I looked it up, and apparently that was not at all like in trying to be what the director was trying to do. Mm. But I'm like, 1956, this is like the peak of this yeah. stuff. I mean, he maybe didn't want to be audited out as a possible communist Right, too, right. So. Well, but, but it's clear that people did see that when mm -hmm. they watched it. In fact, like, the movie actually did pretty well, um, despite it not being, like, as much of, like, a big, big movie at the time. Because sci-fi and horror were not, like, these big elevated genres the way like musicals and romances and stuff mm -hmm. were so like the fact that uh this movie did really well um right yeah. because I, and i think part of it was people did see that commentary in there oh there's this quote that i think it well he says this earlier mm -hmm. and i really liked this because this is the whole movie uh, in my practice, I've seen how people have allowed their humanity to drain away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only it happened slowly instead of all at once. They didn't seem to mind. All of us, a little bit. We harden our hearts, grow callous. Mm -hmm. Only when we have to fight to stay human do we realize how precious it is to us out yeah. here. That's a lot of horror movies, I, actually. I think, I think it's the hardening mm -hmm. of the hearts, too. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny because... The, he confronts the the imposters, 
and they're saying like this is a better life this is better mm-hmm. like once you go to the other side you'll understand like yeah. all these things yeah. like happiness joy like music art. yeah he says it's, love it's, desire it's, faith ambition yeah. this is what makes us human right and significant right yeah. mm-hmm. but they're trying to live in a world without those things and he says it's better without them mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a question that we ask ourselves once you cross that line of losing your humanity do you can you come back? Mm. Well, and they and, lose their humanity, but they still look and appear human. Mm-hmm. They're the same people. They're just dead people walking, and they've thrown those mm-hmm. things away, and there's no coming back. But there's this question, is it better on the other side? Mm-hmm. But you don't know, because once it's done, it's done. You, yeah. yeah. They're trying to convince him it's better, but he, you know, if he goes through with it, mm-hmm. then there's no turning back. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what really, really struck me about this movie. Uh, being someone with a narrative therapy practices background here. Mm. So the our main character here, what Jason, remind me, what's his name again? The main guy. I think Vanel. Miles. Miles. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, at, at first when he's, <laughs> but he, when he's first in the first part of the movie, he's just referred to as the doctor. Right, like Doctor So Benel, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I remember you telling me. So that. yeah, I've told you this. So it's interesting because when we first meet him, he does what are for me, based on my education, are a lot of red flags. These are things that in narrative practices we're critical of. And he's literally doing all these things. So for example, somebody's saying, like, ah, the, like the boy, right? Saying, Oh, he's scared of his mom. Yeah. He's like, that's not really my mom. Yeah. Just give him some pills. I'm just like, damn, yeah. like, just, just, just like yeah. that, just pops him, like, pops right, him just pills. gives him pills. I think that was normal um, in the 50s, though, no? It is, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's narrative practices come out in, like, the 80s, and they criticize a lot of these things that were done, right? I mean, to be fair, I did write in my notes, like, every time a situation happened, they would drink and smoke, like, mm-hmm. every situation. Mm-hmm. That's like, right. In the house, they see a dead body, all right, let's go ahead and Yep, yep, <laughs> that yep, was, that's right. That was, There's, <laughs> yes. <rough> night. <laughs> Well, and then there's another thing that happens. Remember the young lady who's saying, was it her uncle? Yeah, her right? uncle. That she, the same guy. He's not the same guy. Yes. And you know what she you know what he says to her? He he, he basically says, like, um, well, you know, the problem is you. Yeah. Maybe and I'm crazy. like, yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, no, that's also a red flag. You yeah. never do that. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. You're the problem. And I'm just like, you should this drink is and like smoke about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so he's not listening well. He's making assumptions about what's wrong. And mm-hmm. I realized this man is dehumanizing everyone. Ooh. Right? Mm. That's the irony, is like he starts off. Kind of like the aliens mm. with this very like lack of love, lack of these things. And he's treating people in this way. But then there's, a, as the movie goes on, Jason, did you notice that he starts to be referred more and more to as Miles and no longer Doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So he starts to, and you start to see to his, his ambition, his love, his humanity is coming back yeah. as ironically everybody else is losing theirs. Yeah. And now he's listening to people. He's taking them seriously. He's he genuinely starts to concern, right? He even said in the flashback, like, oh, I should have I should have seen the flag yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, you mm-hmm. should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. and like the second one, you're like, wait a minute. That's a sum up. Yeah. It's the quote though. Literally, only when we have to fight to stay human do we realize how precious it is to us, how dear. That's literally Yeah. That's cool. So that was like my favorite part of the movie was watching his journey of this like 
Man, this is our protagonist. This guy is like, ugh. <laughs> he comes off as like good goodwill, but I'm just like, man, there's so many red flags here. He's but just then doing what they taught he, him in school. Well, yeah, oh. the, yes, that <laughs> is exactly it right there. You're just ah. doing what you've been taught. Dang, that's right. This that's, movie's deep. This is way way better than even I thought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sad I missed this one. Oh, yeah, you did? I did. So oh, I'm, okay. I'm bowing out of the it's conversation. A, it's an hour and twenty. Minutes. I know. I tried. Well, I tried to watch the other one first, and I didn't yeah. like it. And then this, I tried to watch this one twice, and I just got. This distracted. is like an extended Twilight Zone. Yeah. it really yeah. feels like Dang. the prototype for that. I'm gonna go home and watch but, it. But um, <laughs> we just pause and watch it. Right <laughs> yeah, talk about it for an hour. <laughs> well, his whole journey in learning to embrace his humanity and trying to help others to fight to keep theirs. And then we got to talk about Becky. 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 Yeah. I thought she was Moment. married at first. And I was like, I, well, <laughs> I was like, if anybody, if any man yeah. would try to grab my wife's arm and guide her across the street, he's going to lose an arm. Well, yeah, not I, even I, from you. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know right. <laughs> I don't know if it was super clear what her. It I don't sounds know. like she was maybe not in a relationship anymore, or maybe because I know we know he's divorced. I see no we know ring. He's divorced. Yeah, but she wasn't. Li- but she was still living with the guy, right? No, no, that was her dad. Oh, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, it's very know. unclear what they're. But there's like these subtle moments, like right if you follow their journey about so how much. slowly this town is becoming dehumanized. So one of my favorite moments is when they go um, to the, like, it's like a bar, like, little, like, yeah. restaurant, whatever it is, right? And he goes, and where's the band tonight? Oh, I couldn't afford to pay them anymore. Yeah. And so it's like a jukebox that replaced the band. And yeah. I was just like, oh, I see what you're doing, movie. Yeah. I see what you're doing, right? Machine. And slowly there's this replacing of humanity that's mm. happening. But then you as the viewer uh, are wondering, that. wait a minute, is this guy in on it? Because that's what you ask with every person you yeah. meet. Mm-hmm. You're like, have they already lost their humanity? Psychiatrist is like, you are it, buddy. Well, I mean, the only person I knew for sure was it was the was the psychiatrist yeah, guy like, oh, dude, who was just you. like, yeah, it's nothing to worry about. Just mm-hmm. go home, get some rest. Oh. I'm like, why on earth is this guy telling everybody to sleep? Uh, I like the guy from the laundry mat when he's like, that's not my wife. <laughs> he's like, no, no, what are you talking about? Like, she's sick. No, that's not my wife. And I'm like, yeah, like. Imagine that, yeah. like, just mm-hmm. one day you're just like, something's up. Like, you, you're not, you're not you. The boy running away from his mom, mm-hmm. and then I, when they're sitting together happy, yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh my heart taken. sank at yeah. that part. Uh, I was, I was like, oh, see, he's fine now. He doesn't need any help, yeah. and he's just sitting on a lap right But I'm like, damn, no. They got, got to him. The pills worked. The pills worked. <laughs> Oh man! Just just take these. Yeah. Oh, it's, just just go to sleep. Here's a shot, kid. You'll be all right. Just just fall asleep. <laughs> well, and the scene. So like the scene of like by the time all these people have like like he's figured out what's going on and all these people are chasing right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And you just have this mob of people like. And apparently, this movie was only filmed in like a couple weeks. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I made the joke about, oh, let's just get a week. We could do this. It took two weeks. I'm not going. You don't just need like, much. Just I've, soap and rubber props and a, people who are willing. And this, hey, can I rent this town out for? This a couple is weeks? an example of how you can make a movie on a really small budget and make something really profound. Mm-hmm. And you just like, I was doing a little bit behind the scenes, and the guy was just like, I was so tired, like. 
We had to do take after take after take of just being chased through the hill. Because they're running through the hills. Yeah, they are. And yeah. He is sweaty and he ragged. Is, yeah. Well, yeah, by the time, like, like whatever shots they took, right? Like, he is just, I believe, like, I, I, like the way they showed that okay. exhaustion. Haggard. Nah, mm-hmm. I don't care. If a mob's running after me, bro, I'm swinging. And, and I know you're aliens. We're swinging. No. There's 40 I don't, people. We got, I, I'm, I gotta You're go swinging down. four times. I'm swinging four times and going down at yeah. least. When you get that moment where he leaves Becky in the cave and he hears music and he's like, oh, that has to be real people, yep. right? Oh, that man. has to be. They'll help us. And it was just a radio. And it was just. And they're all moving the pods. pods There's yeah. like oh, that's so. Yeah. When they, all the people come out to the that's town square. That's my favorite shot is yeah. when like everything, just, all the people just, just stop. stop. Yeah. And then they all walk out together at one. If I ever see that, yeah. I that's am terrifying. so far. <laughs> Away and they just, just start spraying start like, no. <laughs> people being unified in. like no. <laughs> but that's the that's the craziest part is the unity in it. Yeah, like they're but it's, an it's, un- it's conformity, yeah. right? It's an unnatural unity. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that's how that scene yeah. feels. High you feel ugh, because well, a, just it's so unnatural to see people do, like you'll never see. Well, it. and one of the Flash ways mob, sure, but, one of the ways this movie was really groundbreaking at the time was that it showed people like police officers and doctors that could not be trusted. Oh. That was a big deal back then. Those were mostly figures that when you put because remember there is a code. That, yeah. There's like a film code at this time, right? Like you can't do too much that's outside of that code to have authority figures that are basically the villains Mm -hmm. that that was a very ballsy choice back then you know we take it for granted now but back then like to see a police officer deceiving people yeah right to see a doctor deceiving people that was that was a tough pill to swallow (laughs) they was passing out pills (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I didn't even catch that. Uh, yo, yeah. I thought Jack was going to make it, man. His friend. Oh, his friend, oh. yeah. I was like, we got out. When you when see, when back, you see like, Jack oh, yeah. come back, and he's like, it's not so it's bad, not so Miles, bad. on the other side. You got to immediately give you I'm just like, friend. dang. <laughs> I think the saddest thing, too, really small detail, is that when Jack comes back, he doesn't come back with this girl, mm-hmm. which means their relationship just is meaningless now. Oh, I didn't even And think, I was dang. just like, dang, like... They're they're not even a couple. Like they're they're it's doesn't gone. matter. There's nothing. Well, and then of course we have the moment with Becky. The, when Becky closes her eyes. The moment I realized true fear was when I kissed Becky. That's when he kisses her in the cave, and he's like, "Whoa, you're not my." And Becky. Becky's not there. No, not here. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. It's okay, Miles. It's fine. It's a better world. And he's just just close your eyes. Close your eyes. It yeah. could happen to you. Are yeah, you? that's the most famous <laughs> part of the movie. I didn't know that's where this was from. So when I yeah. saw it, I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> running in the street. Uh, the, the only part, the part that I remembered, and I thought it ended at this point, mm-hmm. was uh, when he's like hasn't slept in, in days and he gets into the truck to hide and there's all the pods just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it ended there. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. would also be wild terrifying yeah. like he hasn't slept in a week and he finally oh yeah hopping back buddy and he's just driving on the highway and there's just nothing but pods mm-hmm. and yeah. 
when you it see the pods, you could end that the movie pods are right. going out, right? Yeah, like you see the trucks are getting shipped to all these big cities. So wait, so you said that the ending changed because the good one, I was like, oh, it's a happy one, but it didn't feel right. So, so the happy ending okay. wasn't. So yeah, the so, happy ending was maybe we'll stop this in time. Yeah, yeah. So and, so. Right. Essentially, what happened was that the book, the narrative structure of the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, where he's, you know, been arrested, he's seen mm-hmm. as this crazy person, that was not originally in the movie. It was originally like just supposed to start with no framing device at all. Okay. And then the ending, where he's basically told his story. So, like the narrations, for example, that you see throughout the film, those weren't all there originally. Okay. It was a framing device because that was a very common like sci-fi story framing device is Mm -hmm. like, well, how did this happen? Right. Like when we get to the fly, the original fly does a similar thing like that. But then the the, the movie, the movie movie will go in the middle here. Oh, my gosh. And then we'll have the better ending at the end right here. (laughs) You gotta do the voice. The the original. And then then the and then the audience will will like it and go here. (laughs) The original ending was supposed to be him standing out in the middle of the highway going, it could happen to you and you or you. Bam, cut. That's where it was supposed to end. But of course it doesn't end there. It keeps going. Yeah. But that's where the cut was okay. supposed to be made That would have been good if he cut it. Now, this right is a there. movie where I'm bittersweet about the studio involvement. Because on the one hand, they made the ending change in the framing device. But on the other end, this is a good thing I think the studio did do. It, it had a lot more humor. And if you watch the first like 20 minutes of the movie, there is some humor still there. But the studio was like, this is take that, take that junk out. Like take Good. the, ju-. so the studio. studio was really animate that like make the tone of this really consistent because mm-hmm. it'd be comedic, but with some really dark stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no. It needs to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. So I will give the studio credit there that the yeah. movie tonally is really well put together yeah so anything else on invasion though before we go to the next one uh i give it a seven out of ten i i give it an eight out of ten i don't have numbers yeah i know you don't like ranking things would this be more considered like psychological horror yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and this was an era where psychological thriller horror was doing really well because of course you get (laughs) alfred hitchcock right you get Birds, mm. Psycho. My favorite Hitchcock film is Vertigo, but I haven't seen all of them. Oh, mm-hmm. Birds. So. I, funny enough, the, J- the movie Jason parts of it. Yeah, really? you haven't seen Birds. Yeah. No, but like that's if I was a supervillain, that would be my power. Mm. Summon birds. My my mom hates that movie. Called and the birds. Bird Feeder. <laughs> the Bird Feeder. The Bird Feeder. <laughs> That'd be my my villain name. Yeah, well, it's, it's a bummer we're not talking about any Hitchcock today, but maybe we Actually, can do I that. Even, I, no one would know it was me. That would just be controlled. <laughs> that could be its own podcast. And it just Hitchcock yeah. alone. Yeah. But then the 60s go by, and it's not really an era that's known for horror. Um, but then you get to the 70s, and 70s is considered to be like peak horror. And I'll tell you why. In three years, you get three movies that go back to back. In 1973, you get The Exorcist, which oh, yeah. is... 70s are just the golden age of film. They, yeah, a lot of people like, will say the 70s is the golden age yeah. of film. Um, or at least like the, the peak of film. So, because imagine you get the Godfather, the, the Godfather 1972, then you get The Exorcist 1973. And The Exorcist, there's lots of stories out there about like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the original Exorcist, mm-hmm. but there's lots of stories out there about like people screaming out of the theater theater, right like wetting themselves like it's a nuts movie 
It really is. 1975, two years later, you get Jaws, which is like the blockbuster meets Warrior, yeah. 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 Yes. Stay out of so the Jaws, right? Yeah. So Jaws, Exorcist, and right in the middle in 1974 is a little film that is so terrifying that it was banned in the UK for 20 years oh, wow. after being shown there. And that is Nick's pick. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's a wild. That's awesome. <laughs> so why'd you pick? Why'd you yeah. t- please indulge us? Why oh, you picked Texas? So because, like, no, no, no. because we're doing a horror podcast, and the uh-huh. first two movies that were recommended were musicals. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's pretty pathetic. Like, like there are horror elements, and then there is oh. like horror. Yeah. Like, like you. No one picked a slasher, so I was mm. thinking, all right, there has to be just like a pure slasher mm-hmm. in this in this podcast. And then yeah. I was thinking, um, and I was thinking of Halloween. So the first horror movie I ever saw was Halloween 20 years later, and I was nine. Mm. My, me and my dad went, and I was terrified. I was like trying to not show him that I was closing mm-hmm, my eyes. Mm-hmm. But I was nine years old watching <laughs> Michael Myers chop these George, mm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so from there, I I grew up just watching horror, like uh, House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill today mm-hmm. is the only movie I've ever stopped watching because I wow. was too afraid. I was like, I don't know, 10, yeah. like watching that one o'clock at night by myself. Yeah. Um, we both share that. Like, I watched a lot of horror movies at like 9, 10, 11. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why? Why was I so? Why were we so inter- like interested as kids, right? I, I have no idea. Um, but... <laughs> The, the interesting thing was I was thinking as you guys were talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like the word came up in my mind, uh, like visceral. And mm. I was thinking of Texas Chainsaw and how it's more of like a, it's like feelings that you feel very deeply and find it difficult to control or ignore and they're not the result of thought. Mm. And so like the invasion is like the psychological thought of like what could be happening mm-hmm. gets scary. But then someone just comes in the room with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a much deeper, yeah. like, like you just, it's terror. It's yeah. like uncontrollable fear. And mm-hmm. I just was like, I don't know, glued to that. Yeah. Um, so then I was thinking like, all right, you know, you know, who's the scariest one? And to me it was Leatherface. Like, mm-hmm. like Michael Myers is okay. Freddy Krueger is more funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason's not that scary, but mm-hmm. Leatherface yeah. is scary. That, yeah, he, he was just in closets. <laughs> <laughs> Big old man in a closet. Just cha- popped out and chasing people. So, <laughs> so the first time Leatherface She's is fast, shown yeah. where the guy trips and then he just comes up and yeah. that big hammer comes up mm. and like you hear the squeal of a pig in the background yeah. there's no music and then he slams the door and yeah. it's like that's the scariest intro that's there, yeah. i don't yeah. i can't find yeah. another scary monster than that moment and then the girl tries to run out of the house and mm-hmm. he grabs her from running out of the yeah. house and she's screaming and he drags her back in like that stuff's just crazy just, yeah puts her on the meat hook yeah oh, like, oh, oh my gosh bro. as soon as he saw that he's like no 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 no, no. you One, go right here so, oh. so when it comes to yeah. gore though i'm not huge on gore like uh. like the saws and stuff like, yeah. i don't like those um and the movie's not really gory. No, like, it's they not. show no. nothing. Okay, can yeah. I say something yeah, really funny about that? So Texas Chainsaw is another film made on a super small budget of just like, I don't know, like 400000 like something small like that, right? There's a lot of stories you can look up online of how horrifying the experience of making the movie was. Ugh. 
um, that the people involved were there was maybe some scarring that mm-hmm. came really? out of that experience. Yeah, the rib, um, the rib cage lamps. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, like there's a lot of really disturbing things. But here's the thing that absolutely cracks me up. This director, legitimately, I'm not making this up. His goal was to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre a PG movie. Huh? I mean, at what point? Yeah. Did that goal stop? Even <laughs> as they were filming it. Oh, because of the, he, the blood and everything? So that was one of the reasons why he didn't want a lot of blood and gore, is he wanted to be like a lot of implied, like where your mind fills in the gaps, right? This is that. Yeah, he, nothing, like with the he wanted this to be a PG movie. Because he wanted wider distribution. I was gonna say you, what's it called? You t- have a thirteen-year-old go on a date with with the girl he's trying to impress to this horror mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, I, so that's smart. The first <laughs> cut, the original cut of Texas Chainsaw was rated X. Mm-hmm. X. I mean, yeah. And then he yeah. had to go back and he had to tone down certain things. Like and what? it's not even because of all the blood and the gore. It's more of like the experience, right? Yeah. Of what. The way he shot the film, mm-hmm. right? That's more of like the horror. Even that, the imagery of it, like mm-hmm. Jason said, like he had <laughs> like skeletons for lamps. It's and just stuff. the yeah. product of years and years of just hellish butchery yeah. and yeah. like life. Like they just do this. It's just decoration. There's mm-hmm. a there's Man, a I, gone. there's a Rob Zombie quote. I think he says something like, "It looks like they just recorded." Like actually killing people, yeah. Like it's yeah. that. It's like that raw. It looks yeah. like a snuff film. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that just we'll <laughs> stop the podcast because yeah. yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. People were reported in this movie like vomiting, mm-hmm. like be like just being yeah. so so scared out of their minds. I th- I think if and Nick's probably gonna say it. If you want to accurately, and the guy you were listening to said it as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, horror and all these, you know, killing, murder, stuff like that is often, uh, like, fantasized. And if you want to accurately depict evil and what how it really affects a person, that's proof that that's how it was done. Mm. Like... Like these these horrific elements, and that's why people I think consume horror a lot. Well, I'll get into that later because yeah. I just kind of thought of something. Yeah, that's what evil really is. It makes you throw up and want to run. And right, leave. it's yeah. disgusting. Well, it's strange that like this film is credited as the the first real slasher, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get your Halloween's, but there's like something like when you watch a lot of those films that proves what you're saying, right? Where there's something you're drawn to it. And you're kind of going just for that. You kind of want to see the shock value. You want to see like the kills, the cre- the because yeah. you know like all these movies they just try to up more and more creatively how to kill people. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw though is so raw yeah, and you, dirty mm, and yeah. gritty that you cannot possibly watch that movie with that perspective. No, like like everyone like the what the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary mm-hmm. or all the mm-hmm. other stuff where there's like this obsessive killer and maybe they eat people and they're like, oh man. Yeah, I love watching that. But the reality of that and that mentality of the person that the documentary is about is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what really represents that kind of evil. But mm-hmm. it's just no, no, we're gonna we're gonna clean it up and make yeah. it so that you want to watch this. Yeah. yeah. The first things that stuck out were just like the when you comes to horror like that is like to the highest level. And so I was like, all right, let's pick this. And then at the end, the end to me. 
Mm. It, the ending is just so crazy. It mm. is so unrestrained chaos. So mm. the long dinner scene is so like the yeah. rubber band is stretching so hard and it's it so really uncomfortable. Is. But then when it snaps and she jumps out of the house yep. and then she he's chasing her with the chainsaw <laughs> yep. and then the bus comes and the guy gets run it's over. A, yeah. It's just like it's exploding and I'm just my jaws like dropped the first time I mm-hmm. watched it. And it's even wild because in in universe they could have gotten her back. They were just they were just toying with her. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were just yeah. toying with her, and that was their downfall. It was Thursday. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. just a Thursday. Well, yeah, no, they're they're just utterly insane. Yeah. Like that yeah. is like the most demonic Ugh. representation of like Satan and hell yeah. that yeah. I've ever like they're they're yeah. just eating people but they're also like bickering nonstop. Yeah. It's just yeah. straight the grandfather yeah. well yeah. you're you're slowly being dragged into hell yeah. as you're watching yeah. the movie. It starts with the 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 imagery, right? But it's interesting because I wanted to know kind of like what Nick and Jay what we were talking about. It's like why? Why would somebody want to tell this story? Okay, so wait, wait, let me just Okay, yeah, go ahead. But the end of it Okay, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just the very last scene with him uh-huh. swinging the chainsaw at um like sunset. The movie is so hot mm-hmm. and like the the colors are so deep and mm-hmm. rich and yeah. hot and he's it's just un- I'm just like unbelievable and then it just cuts to Dead silence. For Dead the silence. Yeah. So just in terms of filmmaking and in terms of this being a horror movie, like those are the highest moments in the horror genre that I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, let's do this one. And we need a slasher and the other ones don't compare. So then I start like researching it and yes. I start to look like deeply into it. Yeah. And I fully believe God is guiding my choices, guys. Okay. So everyone <laughs> out there, tenant. It, so you're, <laughs> yes, you're, 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 you're talking about you're oh talking about how do these movies fit into the narrative practice, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. not just talking about movies. Tenet is a movie about um, this man, like essentially, like very basic level, mm-hmm. discovering that he is in control of his own story, yep. and he's mm. consistently putting pieces together to 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 set his life on the yep. right path, right? Yep. And at the very end, he discovers that he is the protagonist, and that his life and his narrative starts to change. So yep. it's a really cool link to this practice right nice this one uh-huh. i was just asking derek like what are the stories that are like warnings like this is a cautionary tale mm-hmm. there is no protagonist there is no hero mm-hmm. there is no arc at all this yeah. is a story about these people just reacting yep. to just non-stop chaos mm-hmm. around them so sally is technically the final girl mm-hmm. but she has no control over her story at yeah, all or right. anything that's happening around right. her she um it, it's just what your life is like before you get into all things narrative or before you start to rearrange and start to um have mm. some kind of direction it's just terror yeah it's just pure terror like this is mm-hmm. what you are living in you're you're avoiding something and it's basically Leatherface chasing you with a chainsaw <laughs> throughout the yeah. dark and you don't yeah. even know it or you do know it and it's just you're living in terror all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that scene where he's chasing you in the woods is like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, it's just that Shit. noise. It's that long? And it, no, no, it's probably it's, like, I mean, probably probably like 15 like, yeah. yeah, It's a long scene. He's just yeah. chasing her. But but there's one scene where she's her eyes are like bugging out of her head and you mm-hmm. can see him chasing her with the chainsaw on the back. Like, like the expression... The artistic expression of it is just mm-hmm. super high and I really like it, but it is, it is, this is what your life is like when you have no control over anything in life mm-hmm. and you are just reacting well, viscerally to mm-hmm. feelings that you cannot control and they're wow. running wild. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is like the cautionary tale of 
not being in control control of anything Jeez. and Satan running your life. Yeah. And it's hell. And it's hell. You're, you're living it. People are living in hell. Yeah. And watch this movie because this is what it really feels like. So, yeah. and to come back to it, why then, why why this story? Like, why does he, why does this director want to tell this kind of story? Oh, I don't, because and, he's probably well, deranged. But. Well, here's, <laughs> I'm trying here's, to spin it. I'm trying to redeem it. No, no, no. I, I think there's something, I think, I think you're right. I think there's something here. And, and here's something that I found that was really fascinating. So if you see this movie as like a slow descent into hell, right? Um, you see it with the images in the beginning. Then you see the, uh, the hitchhiker, that mm-hmm. whole sequence, right? Then you start to get to the house and they're acting dumb. Like, why are they going into this house? And you're thinking that, right? Well, apparently, like, this is a movie that is all about false security. Hmm. Like, thinking you have control and security over a situation. Hmm. So the descent into hell begins the moment that opening card pops up on screen that tells you this is a true story. And guess what? You're being lied to. Yeah. You the lie is the initial descent into hell, right? Oh, That's, this didn't nice. actually happen. No, he's oh, lying to you. Did, <laughs> no, he is lying to you, That's right? Awesome. And and so I'm like, that made me want to like look up more. Like, well, why? Like, what's you? And I'm like, okay, this is 1973, 74 when he makes this and this comes out, right? Okay, I'm thinking about youth culture at the time. If you look at like the late 60s, you have the hippie movement, right? And mm-hmm. and all the love is going to save the world. When you get to 1970, 71, you have several things that happen that start to dismantle the hippie culture, particularly like the the Hells Angels incident at the big festival mm-hmm. where they were hired as security for a Rolling Stones concert and they basically like killed a young man who they thought was out of line. And they're like, holy crap, this is not peace and love anymore. The world is a dark place. These people can just kill you. Like, right? You never know around. The people who are trying, who are hired to protect you can turn on you like that. So this is a, a a cautionary tale about the youth, about that generation, about their naivety, about them not being trained up well in how to navigate the world. This is why they go to a house. This is why they pick up a hitchhiker. Oh my God. Because nobody was there. The previous generation mm. did not guide them. They let them go off Indeed. into this thing. And now they are going to reap the consequences of it. They think they have this security. They think they're in control. They can pick up this guy. Nothing's going to happen. They see a blood symbol on the van. They... Okay, oh well. Yeah, there's, there's no enemy. This yeah, isn't spiritual yeah, warfare. Yeah. Like this, we're, yeah. we're good. And then all of a sudden, like everything well, falls. And it's yeah. it's the innate, it's the almost like this innate goodness, like of people. They're like lambs right? without a shepherd, and they just get Literally. slaughtered. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Cows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They are. They are the cattle. Another face. Yeah. They are the cattle yeah. that are that are getting um, slaughtered here. Right. And this is. This is that descent. So literally you start with the lie and then you start to move your way into hell to the way to the point where the last final image you have is this monster in the sunset swinging a chainsaw. The idea is that like one of the ways I think I took from it is that like the sunset. Oh, it's a new day now. Right. And he's ready to do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah, they know nothing. It's, it's just clockwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're so isolated in that little house. Like that, that is just the life that they know. And yeah. they well, sit in that living room and pass time. Well, and to that go, is absolutely insane. Well, to go back to the dehumanizing thing from invasion, right? 
Notice how Leatherface, the cook, and the hitchhiker never have, they don't have names. Yeah. They don't have names at all. They're just their roles. And then there's Grandpa. (laughs) And Grandpa. But that's all they're reduced to here. So they're just these shell, like almost like these like twisted archetypes that they believe they have to play in order. You know, there's lots of theories of what it is. Like, is this a cult or some sort, right? Like, why is he feeding the blood to the grandpa? Like, what, what is going on here? But oh, $144,000, that was the budget of this movie. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that was like my big takeaway when I really started to dig into this and realize, wow, this is kind of like a no, no country for old men. Like the world is a more dangerous place now. Mm-hmm. And it's about the youth waking up. It's a wake up call yeah. to realize that there are people that will hurt you and kill you. Not be for any reason, just because it's fun for them. Yeah. And that's disturbing. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of moments we could just end pod- the podcast to be honest. Yeah. Do the do the invasion of the body snatchers cut, <laughs> right? Could happen to you. Could happen to mm-hmm. you. No, that's yeah. right. Is there anything else on Texas Chainsaw though? I just I, uh, I'm thinking Jason, about Jason. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you what's your experience with this movie because you looked when this movie ended, you looked like you were ready to just. I don't ever need to watch this movie again in my life. <laughs> um, Nick, but, how many times have but, you? Seen? I watched it a bunch. <laughs> I, I only watched the 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 just a couple main parts because like, I'm yeah. just like just like amazed by it. Well, when when you send that text in the group chat, I thought you were kidding. Like, oh yeah, I missed this before, and it was just the the girl getting chased by the chainsaw. I thought mm-hmm. you were just being silly because no, like, was like the, you just liked it because it was horror. But now that you're talking like about this, it's it is very profound, and a lot of it happens to kind of go around. I don't want to take too much time on this. My own personal history with horror because mm. I grew up watching a lot of gory stuff, reading gory stuff. I liked. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like I went, oh yeah, I just kind of was compelled into it. I would watch this show called uh, Metalocalypse like before school every day, mm-hmm. and it's just like a really gory cartoon that was on the Adult Swim that kind mm-hmm. of went into the mor- a morning. Just people would die and blowing up, mm-hmm. like viscerally being killed. Um, Berserk was a manga that I that I liked reading. It's soup like any bad, terrible thing that can happen mm-hmm. with this movie and others. I wonder. It really has to do with my thoughts because uh, I you know I've been contemplating these things. How much do I need? What do I need to get out? Mm-hmm. Um, just there's so much media and, consu- and that I'm drawn to consume that has to do with horror or just dark things. Even mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. There's awesome stuff that comes out, and I'm like, I don't know if I should watch this. This has to do with curses. Sure. How the the question is, is why would you watch horror? Is it healthy? Is it even necessary? And I'm mm. still uh, wrestling with that. And I was listening to your guy, mm-hmm. whoever you're listening, listening to a to, podcast earlier. Yeah. yeah, he said a lot of great. You should show it to Nick. He said mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I, I'm thinking this guy's on the money. There's a there's a point where horror is fixating on the. It wants you to fixate on the violence, on mm-hmm. the the murder, and kind of f- it fantasizes that. Like a lot of things in media are fantasized, like pirates yeah. are fantasized. They murdered people, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even that big of an era. And then there's movies where that's not the main focus. Mm-hmm. The humanity is the focus. Right. And that goes into one of my favorite, I wouldn't really be a horror, it's more of a 
thriller. Yeah, that's okay. A Quiet Place. Yeah, I yeah, love A Quiet absolutely. Place because it's it's not about the monsters at the end of the day. It's about the family. It's about right, the love of right. a father that lays itself down for yeah. his children so that they can live. It's about grieving a mistake that turns into you know one one mm. mistake, one act of ne- negligence, and you could lose the most precious thing right. in your life. And how they adapt and grow as a family, and they can still have family moments mm. together, and life can still go on. Yeah, even in like terrible, like they everything that in that movie that they do is tailored to not have sound. All the toy pieces are made of felt. They have all their herbs right there. Right. Like they don't use hard things, and they've created this this um, kind of little universe in in that right. movie. Um, where the family can st- stay together and still be normal in really, really hard times. And that, yeah. the beauty of humanity should be highlighted by horror or the warning of evil. I think yeah. Yeah, that's, that's when, good. maybe that's when that's it good. becomes necessary. But when it's just... Um, violence like for the violence sake of for it. Violence for the sake yeah. of like delving into that. I don't think it's good. And the reason I think that that happens is what you were saying, the word visceral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that has to do... I, I'm theorizing because I ain't, you know, ain't no scientist, mm-hmm. but your amygdala in your brain, mm-hmm. that's the, uh, that's the fear response, the fight or flight thing. Mm-hmm. When something traumatic happens or something like really fearful happens, um, all your reasoning is flipped. Your mm-hmm. lid, your lid is flipped. We learned about this and that is the thing that controls. And that is such a compelling force mm-hmm. in the brain because in every addiction, Mm-hmm. that's what the link is is because that it, it draws back to that feeling mm-hmm. and i think that's why people get so fascinated and sucked into horror is because it flips that lid it it yeah. activates the amygdala it has those visual right. feelings and that's why you're just compelled like in addiction you don't you just do it you're just drawn to it when i was listening and reading all this stuff i'm just drawn to it i just i open my eyes and i'm there yeah. And that's why people are adrenaline junkies. That's mm-hmm. why all this stuff happens is because it directly plays with that amygdala. And that's why yeah. it can be such a spiral. Well, and the psychology too is that when you watch something, the parts of your brain that are active are the, are as if it's really happening to you. So you can experience something as if it's really happening to you, right? You can experience that. And that's when you feel, when you're watching a great movie or a great story and you you connect, you feel something, right? And so horror allows you to feel fear and to experience those things mm-hmm. in a controlled, safe yes. environment. That's why it kind right? of gets mm-hmm. me frustrated with um, like the kids like that we work with when they watch horror stuff. Because a lot of my kids, and I work with third graders, and they watch horror movies. And I'm just yeah. like, that's it's a portal. So, but mm-hmm. but it's interesting. So I read a, I read something along the lines of that. It's like what people that deal with anxiety or have fear or have that trauma, when you can place that outside yourself and put it mm-hmm. on the screen it like allows you to escape what you're feeling mm. and like you can safely access this in a different way like what you're saying yeah um, and you have to be very careful not to re-traumatize people yeah. right but but you but the addiction is you're 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 basically experiencing that trauma over and over and over again right um so it makes sense that these kids would be inclined to horror because yeah. they're trying to mm. experience that outside themselves mm. and when yeah. they are outside themselves they yeah. can s- s- like safely yeah. rest from themselves yeah. for a second but it's a loop that yeah. you're still mm-hmm. stuck in so i think yeah. i resonate with that a lot when i was younger and i was mm. always inclined to horror 
Um, well, there's going to be different thresholds for different people yeah, too, right? Yeah. Some people are just going to be able to handle different things. And, you know, this is definitely a horror where I'm very rare to recommend like, oh, go see that. Like everyone should go see. I, I would not say everyone should go see Texas oh, Chainsaw. Only though, but, but just because of, so it's hard when you're talking about film and art mm-hmm. because it's such a high level like like intense no just like a high level craftsmanship like Mm. this is like one of the best horror movies ever made right um but it's also like a like it's the content is really questionable yeah Mm -hmm. so i mean i could spin it and say hey like this this is the feelings that you have when you're out of control of your own story and you're Mm -hmm. just running and you have no control and you don't even know what's chasing you yeah that's what this feels like yeah um yeah and that's the only way i can really say like hey like this is the expression of that emotion, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, at its highest level. Other than yeah. that, it, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities mm. at the end of this. Film. <laughs> yeah, like, yes. like more more than ever, this podcast is making me question, like, why did I choose this movie? Because it's dark and well, but you saw yeah. something there, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think all the horror movies that we've picked, there's something we see there mm-hmm. to kind of transition to the next one here. So. A lot of people, as the 70s went on, horror was one of the genres that really, really was coming to the forefront. I mean, you get to 1980 and you get uh, Stanley Kubrick's take on The Shining, right? And that is, many people consider that the top tier horror film. Maybe, you know, like one, because the way it blends the psychological thriller and horror together, Mm -hmm. right? And then when you get to the 80s, the horror genre is really, really like everywhere, it's very mainstream. Mm. Um, by this time, you get to like your Nightmare on Elm Street, right? You get like all these big horror films that are these big tentpole things that people want to go out to see around Halloween time here. And so the next film we're going to talk about uh, is an 80s film. Actually, the next two are both 80s films as well. Nice. We didn't and go too modern. I'm happy yeah. with this. And they're, yeah. The only, yeah. I, ironically, I was, in the Western episode, I picked the oldest film, and mm-hmm. then in this one, I picked the most modern one. Mm-hmm. But in the 80s, um, the two films that we're going to kind of talk about that Joe brought up were The Fly, mm-hmm. uh, David Cronenberg's version, uh, and Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. I'd love to know, like, why those films? Like, what is it that draws you to them? So, with Little Shop before is I like musicals, but I have a legit fear of getting eaten by something, and that's really yes, I have, and that's a plant eating people. Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre messed you up, probably. I mean, <laughs> oh I yeah, watch. I think it's more. I think it's more actual creatures oh, okay. eating people. Not like killing anything. It's just yeah, like it's whole yeah, immediate like I'm a lion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a bear. Oh my gosh, horrifying. I, yeah. I told people a bear I'm would like, be the worst one. If I ever got in a situation where it looks like something's gonna eat me, I need you to put me out of my misery. Like immediately. Mm-hmm. Please immediately. But um I used to watch <laughs> funny enough, I watched that movie, yeah, Jaws. Mm. Um I watched those type of horrors like when I was like like eleven or okay. so. Like my yeah. mom I was even asking her, I was like, how did you, why would you let me watch this? She was like, I mean, you know, it's, it was, had nice songs. Which it, does. <laughs> it has nice songs. Um, Bro. But yeah, I, I don't know why. It, uh, I always loved watching that. I love um, uh, Suddenly Seymour. 
um, mm. um, Feed Me. You know, it's the Bro, good songs. The music, yeah, is lit. Mm-hmm. The '60s is my favorite decade it's for good, music. It's a good time. And for so music. when I found when I was hearing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be like, is this like the style of the whole musical? Yeah, bro. So you, I feel like our tastes are so dang similar Very when it similar. comes to musicals, mm-hmm. right? Because like, if you said that this was your favorite, I was really hyped for it. I was gonna pick this one, but then as Nick said, that would be two musicals, right? So. But but yeah, just I, I just want to comment. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're going to mainly talk about The Fly, but yeah. just one thing I do want to comment on Little Shop of Horrors, because that was my first time ever seeing it. I had oh, really? never seen it before. No. Um, stage show, mm-hmm. movie, nothing. And the fact that I was like, oh, this is Frank Oz, and yep. he's doing like the puppet plant that took 90 people. Yeah, literally everything, to in that, do. everything in that movie they were doing. So like it's, and again, I love the practical effects. Stuff. Love. So yeah. it's, it's so good for you. everything in that, but, like this giant plant moving and mouthing when it's singing and stuff like that. Like that's But it's, it's, it's in- interesting because like, I thought about this film in light of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is like this fear of like almost conformity, like on maybe like a communist, like socialist level. Yeah. Even though, you know, they say that that's not what it is. But I think you could draw that, right? By watching it. Little Shop of Horrors is the opposite fear. It's the fear of capitalism swallowing mm-hmm. you, right? Yep. Of the what? of the yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, yes, yeah. Of like the individual, he's, he's using and, the plant to like get build himself up and get the money and the, and the girl and things like that. Uh, but, yes. but that's what the plant wants too. <laughs> blood. So exactly, and you keep feeding it blood. You're giving it your that you're pretty much soul to this plant, and now you're having to give other people. To this plant, so now you're sacrificing mm-hmm. other people. For well, it's this like your plant. blood, sweat, tears, yeah, like literally. that kind of thing. But it's like an easy fix for capitalism because mm-hmm. it's not like actually like work hard, do something. Yeah, it's like oh, this thing is gonna take you the whole way. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is this is gonna be something good. Like yeah. once I started to realize that that's what we were watching, that was the story. I was like, oh, this is this is there's a lot going on here. Yeah, so it was fun. I love the music, but it had a really powerful message. And even with like Audrey Mm -hmm. and all the the stuff going on about abuse and what she wants and about like what it's saying about gender roles, right? And kind of like the suburban housewife. And I was just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But she was so abused where that suburban house (laughs) life is what she thinks is Mm -hmm the real like what life should be like and to be fair most a lot of women in the early 60s that was their ideal picture there right but i have one question for you okay and then we can go to the fly but one question for you okay how do you feel about the ending in contrast to the stage show so because i'm very mixed on all that so and they actually i've actually i actually saw the alternate ending the one um, they originally shot right yeah exactly where the plants take over the world so he gets eaten like he tries to stop the plant the plant eats him um and then the plant the little plantlings get sold across like america and then they take over america and it's literally like a 12 minute sequence of the plants eating everybody, like taking out, like destroying buildings. I like that ending this more. This is like Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you like that ending more? Yeah. <sighs> ah, now we get into psychology. Because I mean, you were even drawn to something that had 
one of your most visceral fears and you wanted to watch it. Because Joe, you, you like, like the dark stuff. I do like, like just dark be real I do like, people. I You like seeing others get eaten alive. I like the fact that everyone kind of got what they deserved at the end of this movie. America? Uh, not just America. Well, it's that this, idea that capitalism it swallows about, itself, but, right? But, uh, you, but you also have to think about it. In this universe, these plants, you have to feed it blood. Everyone mm-hmm. must have been feeding their plants blood to be able to get it to where it's at. And you still have to feed it, people. You got yourself into this situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you... I didn't watch it. You, I know, but you, were to have, you would have had to feed it the way that okay. it needs to be fed yeah. for the okay. way that they ended up. So yeah. they got what they deserved. Yeah. The entire world. <laughs> no, so, I think it was a. it was probably like, you know... Of handful of people that ruin it for everyone. No, no, it's no. It clearly. Yeah, it's clearly like well, a lot of people did it. Yeah, it was very interesting when I actually learned that there were two different endings, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, because I didn't like the. No, I think I saw the ending where everything is happy first. Yeah, and, of course. And then That's I was same. like, yeah, and I was like, ah, uh, that was really like quick the, and tidy. Yeah. But then when I learned that there was an alternate ending, I was like, okay, well, let me rewatch it with it. Well, there's a whole thing, too, about, like, it's very similar to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where the test audiences hated that ending. And I think one of the reasons, I think there were two reasons why that ending wasn't really like. Number one, in a stage show, Mm -hmm. when somebody dies, you know they're going to come out at the end and take a bow. Yeah. In a movie, you don't get that. Yeah. And so I think that's hard to translate over um, as an adaptation. And then I think the second thing is that Frank Oz made Seymour way more likable than the, apparently he is in the stage yeah. show. So like I think, in the in the movie Seymour, um, he's a good, he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, he just a makes a couple bad choices, yeah. but, but let, he kills people. Well, well kind of. Well, so just, yeah. So the first guy he was going to kill, he ended up dying from a drug overdose. So he was from just the like, gas, from yeah, gas that he takes because he's a dentist. I am your dentist. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that's, I don't know why. I just really like that movie. It's a good little musical. We got good taste in musical, and we're going to definitely see that when we get to the end of this episode. Really yeah. like musicals. It's um, all right. Whatever. You just don't have good taste in music. Nah, um, but, but now we but can the get fly, to the fly. Yeah, so tell, so, me, tell me about the fly. So why the, the fly flies? is a very recent, <laughs> recent discovery I okay. made. I was listening to, um, I think, Le- uh, Red Letter Media uh-huh. um, podcast, and they were kind of talking about it. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch this because they were talking about how, like, everything – Again, practical effects wise. So I'm watching it and I'm like, this is scary because this is a this is someone who is literally deteriorate deteriorate. Mm-hmm. What how do you say it? Deteriorating. deteriorating yeah, yeah, in your own skin. And but like you're still conscious and you're still aware that all this is happening to mm. you. I think that's more like I think that's horrifying because you're trapped in your own body. Yeah, something's happening to you. Yeah. It's interesting because it, apparently this film is supposed to be a metaphor for like disease, like, a, a, like an it. incurable illness. Mm-hmm. And Tori, when we were had it on as we were making <laughs> meat pies. Yeah, that's what we're eating tonight, guys. Yeah, yeah, and we're watching right. The Fly, right? And a fly lands in the pie, which was just yeah, comical. Smash right into, yep. the, pie, but, into the pie. But, now. you know, she immediately took that interpretation, too. Of like, oh, wow, like this is like when somebody has something that it's not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. They're just going to get worse. And then the loved one has to pull the plug on them. Yeah. So that's how she took it as a nurse. And that's apparently what it was supposed to be interpreted as. 
I took it a completely different direction Okay. when I watched it. I got something completely out of it. I was like, this is about obsession. This is a movie about obsession over your work and how mm. obsession over work dehumanizes you. So like Jeff Goldblum, right? Seth, he Seth. I love Jeff is this Goldblum insignificant so guy trying to make a big break. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like a fly, like this insignificant thing. But then it works with the other characters too. Because the girl, what's the girl's name again? Veronica. Uh, Ro- yeah, Veronica. Veronica. I didn't even right? know her name. So, so Veronica, she also has an obsession about her work. Yeah. You know, she mm-hmm. wants to go the and story. spend time. Yeah, she wants yeah. a story on this guy, right? Then I thought about her ex-boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend's yeah. obsessed with, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is all about obsession, right? Well, she, he's still got but, key, but the two men are obsessed yeah. with Veronica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So And... And you start to see this switch, right? Where you see Seth, and oh, he's a pretty good guy. And the other guy is trash, just trash when you meet him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then you start to see, like, Seth is actually capable of being a really terrible guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he actually has some redeeming qualities when you get to the end. Um, yeah, he, he lost the whole, he was nubby at the end of it, mm-hmm. saving her. Yeah. You don't get those back. <laughs> well, he like the, the way that he's able to be concerned about her, no matter what he, he's not going to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, I saw this movie all about obsession about how work, like being too focused on your work at the expense of relationships. And that's the, uh, the tragedy mm-hmm. is that there is a relationship that mm-hmm. forms between these two, Yeah, but the work overtakes it. His work is so important to him that he wants her to come to this level where she can't go. Yeah. She wants he wants her to get in the transporter so that way and then eventually for them to become one. Like he literally want he's becomes fused with his work and then he wants her to become fused with yeah. him and his work. And so no longer mm-hmm. is it just being like a story that she's doing and she's outside of it. She is now You're in the store trapped in the story. Yeah. Exactly. Nick, I feel like you got something. Yeah, um, um, the the one article I sent you, I read about. I, it's not like I'm not fully um, like aware of it, but it, it was more of a mo- obsession or a identity. Yeah, and so the identity is not work. It's I I thought it was more centered on Veronica and Seth and the other guy's relationship to Veronica. So mm-hmm, Seth mm-hmm. was obsessed with. Veronica and his identity was in that relationship, and she yeah. was trying to fuse with her. Right, and then she got pregnant. And he's yeah, he, he which yeah. there is a fusing right yeah, like to he, bring about that. But so another thing is like the horrors of this movie. There's the it was saying like it's the horror of intimacy. Mm. It's the I was horror. even thinking as he said that like an uh, like an unholy unity. Yeah. yeah. So he 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 goes into the pod. He turns into the fly or whatever. He yeah. has all this emotional masculinity. Like he's in mm-hmm. this honeymoon yeah. phase with this woman, and then all his insecurities come out. Yeah. And his body starts to break down, and mm. like he's he's deforming because he's not yeah. able to handle even this if relationship. You, if you even want to take a step further, this is kind of what what it would look, in the sense look like when you're having sex outside of marriage. So uh-huh. it's you're on you're tying yourself to somebody that you really shouldn't be because it's something that you should not be at that moment. So the right. quote in the movie multiple times is made crazy by the flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not able to control yeah. any. He's of not mature flesh. enough yeah. at all for this relationship, and he's like needing to fuse with this mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. And the, and both men are in the same sides of this relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're both like connected to this 
to this yeah. uh, woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. Soul Ties. Yeah. It's like a deep <laughs> yeah. movie about Soul Ties. Yeah. Really, like, it really is like that. The the identity issue in this movie was super fascinating. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What that's, that's good. Yeah. Jason, you just saw it before we recorded this. What was your takeaway and thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah, this is this crazy. has some of the best like makeup. Oh special my god! Of, right? like, I was freaking out about the hair. As you're yeah. cooking, as you're cooking, you're yeah, watching. Yeah, not me. I, I, I still get hungry during these. So, watching Sweeney Todd with with Burger King, I'm like, oh man, that's gross. Yeah, I know. I, you're eating Burger. King. But this this movie was I uh, so this and the Western one really took away the stigma. It helped him take away the stigma of old movies being eh. Mm-hmm. Like I just keep underestimating these movies Bro. and just keep getting shown up. Like, no, this is amazing. Shut up. <laughs> the, oh, the the special effects mm-hmm. are kill, especially the end transformation where yes. his face just yeah, like just blows up off yeah. his body. The more the more in this podcast that we're going back and watching older stuff, the less desire I have for newer stuff. Heike. that's what I'm finding is happening. At least for me. You know. I'm still gonna see Kung Fu Panda Four, so you are gonna see the reboot of Shrek. They're not rebooting Shrek. Yeah, they right? are rebooting. Gosh, Shrek. that is a horror. Well, like with that is horror. Right I there. actually felt How my eyes you? well up. Like in how dare you? I, I I'm I'm about to cry. They I think it's not... like a, I think it's like a soft reboot. No, I don't think it's like a because no. I remember when Puss Puss goes to like far far away at the end of the movie. Uh, and, and that number just two. needs to. That's done there. That's done. All right. Let it die. Let's okay. stay on the fly. Well, I'll be on that forever. <laughs> the fly. Um, I, I, and I, the, I'm just thinking about it. Like the compulsion is, is in this one too. Like yeah. the amygdala, like the desire just mm-hmm. overcoming everything else. All like, um, what's the word? Like reasoning is out. Like mm-hmm. after he's kind of fused with the fly in his initial, his intensity is just even more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like the addiction is even like stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. And like nothing else is getting to him. And the woman's like, Hey, I'm worried. I don't know. This is different. And he just blows up on her. You're an effing drag. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I just think of it with like the flying noise. You're, you're an effing drag. Yeah. Get out of my face. But even like with <laughs> that short attention span. It's yes. Like, it's, 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 like it's like literally can, like he's see- just focused on a thing right in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jeff Goldblum must have been staring at flies for hours. It felt like. <laughs> Great really, performance. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like this dude has got the mind of a fly right now. He's just all jittery and like, look hard. what I can do. <laughs> Nothing can bring me down. He said something was like, oh, he said, catch me if you can. I'm yeah. like, that's something a fly would say. <laughs> Sus. I um I watched this with Dre when he was out here um for the wedding uh-huh. and like <laughs> the initial part where like he's in the bed and like he catches a fly. Like he's Dre was like, oh, that's pretty dope. That'd be a good little power right there to just be able to sense stuff. And as the movie's going on, he's like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want all that. Yeah, I don't want all, any of that. And we were talking about. I asked Eric, like, do you think this influenced uh, Man Spider from Spider Man? You know, Man Spider. Oh, right? with the, when he, uh, he when he starts like mutating. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, and even the whole concept of I was telling him even the whole concept of Spider-Man. Yeah. The fly, right? Because the fly was a short story that existed before he was created. Jim Goldblum but doing sta- calisthenics and Yeah. I said there's even a nod to the fly in the the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man film. 
So like they have that sequence, right? Where he's starting to learn his powers and he's acting more oh, spider-like, yeah. right? That was very influenced like by some 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 of that. But then there's a moment to put it really on the nose when Andrew's talk uh Peter's talking to his Aunt May. Oh, yeah, and he, just, he catches the fly yeah. and she's like, It's a fly, Peter. And I'm like, Wow. Really on the nose. Because the fly Andrew was Garfield an inspiration the for the mm-hmm. so yeah, that's why Amazing Andrew Spider-Man Garfield movies have Spider-Man. way more thought put into them than anyone gives credit for. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um <laughs> <laughs> PS4 version is the best Spider-Man. No, Andrew so, Garfield is the best you anyways, hate video games. Anyways, um anything else on the fly before we go to our final film? No, special effects were awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super fun movie. Yeah. This oh, was I rated eight out of ten. Little Shop of Horrors eight out of ten. I also didn't rate. I, I gave them both eight out of tens too. I didn't rate. I uh, think a fly is better than eight. I yeah. think a fly nine. is. I didn't want to be biased. Nine and above. <laughs> Would you give Texas Chainsaw? Uh, I gave it a seven point five. Ooh. Uh, don't ask me what I gave it. <laughs> What'd you give it? Don't ask me. Tell me. Don't <laughs> ask me, bro. Five? Listen, I gave it a six. Okay. I've oh, so much fun watching Sweeney Todd, but I feel like The Fly is a more heavy movie. Like, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, this is a more of a uh, more like of a masterpiece than Sweeney Todd. Movie. Mm-hmm. But I had more fun watching Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Right. So well, Sweeney Todd, I might be able to. I've been thinking about this. If maybe down the line we do an analysis of Sweeney Todd, because my head is spinning with how much stuff is going on in that film. Mm -hmm. Because you know, like with musicals, right? There's a lot of motifs and... Sweeney Todd is my pick. Yeah, surprise, surprise. So like one of the things, (laughs) for example, that I learned that I didn't know, I've seen this movie so many times. I was the happiest little emo kid in 2007 watching Spider-Man 3, Sweeney Todd, and going to see My Chemical Romance in concert. All in the same year. It was peak emo right there. Did people like pretend that they were Sweeney Todd and uh, Mrs. Lovett or like think that that was a good relationship? Because people do that with like... People... Quinn and Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we just got to get into Sweeney Todd here. Um, And we may do an analysis of this one day because there's just so much here. But like one thing, for example, that I learned like with music, the music in the film is that... Burton hates musicals. I did not know that. He hates musicals. I like him. But he does I, musicals, like, often. He, not really. Well, He's um, done a couple. Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. But, but, oh, that's a musical, too. Willie Wonka. Too. Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things I've learned about Fish. Burton through this... but Fish there's one of his, yeah. But there's something I've learned about him in... in it through through studying this movie a lot. So, um, <laughs> no, I've always liked Burton. Um, but... I think this is one of Burton's like top tier masterpieces because m- about ha- at least half of Burton's filmography is adaptations. Mm. And a lot of the times he misses the spirit of the adaptation. Alice in Wonderland, Charlie and the Chocolate. Like oh, there's a lot of things I really dislike how he takes it. Batman, I'm not crazy on, but I at least can a- appreciate it. But this he understands this musical. He understood the assignment. So, he understood the assignment so well to where like this is the perfect way to take an a, a 3 hour musical and adapt it to a 2 hour film. Like the way he understood like how do I do the tone? How do mm. I use the music? What characters do I cut? What songs do I cut? It shows that when he really tries, like when he really 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 has the time and can do it, He's unstoppable. Mm. 
Because this adaptation, this is one of the best adaptations of anything I've ever seen. I mean, let me put it this way. The Sweeney Todd show is a comedy. Oh. The, the the musical, like, right? It's more comedic. And the way he can tie comedy in, because Sweeney Todd is a really funny film. Yeah. funny. And but he can oh tie it God. into yeah, where it like, never gosh. takes you out of it. Yeah. And it, he really leans into the tragedy of it. Like, musically, there's so much going on. So there's this cue in classical music called the Diazeri. It's it's a old, ancient piece of classical music that was used about, like, God coming back to judge the world on Christ. So it's like this very foreboding sense of death. Mm-hmm. It's in hundreds of films that you've seen. There's some version of it, right? So Sweeney Todd's theme is the Dies, the Diazeri. Like, that is his theme, right? And he has lots of little motifs. Like, he's got a madness motif where, like, the strings swell up. Like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
but who pushed him kind of on that? Like he was already deranged, mm-hmm. but she knew one who he was mm-hmm. immediately. Two, mm-hmm. she knew that his wife was alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she admitted that fact, and she said, "I don't care. I like I only wanted what's best for you." No, she wanted what was what she wanted, mm-hmm. and. That was a little bit of hope that could have maybe put him somewhere else. Right. It could have butterfly yeah. affected him. Maybe he finds him and he tries to figure out and he doesn't get revenge. Maybe he just only kills the judge. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it could have been something and it just went full off the rails. Into well, hell. she feeds into the madness because yeah. she's like, oh, well, yeah, her, the pies are her yeah, idea. The meat of pies yeah. are her idea. Yeah. Like you could kill all these people and we'll, you Put know, them in pies. Yeah. like that song is really funny. She honestly, right. Her, the song, like, no, the yeah. songs are amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like musicals. I really don't. <laughs> and now I'm starting to question me saying that because I really like nightmare before Christmas, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I guess I only like, Tim Burton's musicals, musicals. (laughs) and it makes sense because if he hates them and is just like I hate them and I'm gonna make them anyways and make them good, I think that's awesome. But um, I did not want to watch this. I did not want to watch the plant movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. You didn't want to watch Texas Chainsaw. I wasn't sure. Okay. Uh, I found that out that I didn't want to watch it while I was watching it. <laughs> which, which is, obje- I, I do not like the movie, and I don't know whether to objectively rate it great or not, because it got what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, that. Uh, Next slide. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a yeah. very tricky thing to, to yeah. judge. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. And anyways, I really liked that movie, and I was like, okay, there'll be some killing and stuff. And he is just like squirting tomato paste everywhere. Yeah. This dude is just like, oh, fuck. But I think it's drop really, another one. But I think it's really interesting that um, he wasn't really even killing. Like, it, there was a good portion of the movie where murder was not happening. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's just. It's like, yeah, there's like, like eight murders in yeah. a minute. It's crazy. And I don't know, but I was just thinking of how. Like much joy that we got when he was slicing and the blood's flying everywhere, and it's a uh-huh. whole different <laughs> yeah. style of yeah. murder yes. that you right. can enjoy and say, "Oh, this is fun." Funny, yeah. But then you cringe when the body hits the floor. Yeah. No, 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 no. Even that part's funny though. Well, at Ooh, least no. there's like a now. But, but what I'm saying Just is, you. Com- you were laughing. Compar- I was yeah. comparing it to Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah that's the, a whole. You're dip- still watching somebody slice someone's throat apart. Yeah, and you're no gushing fun. blood. And there's a there's a sense of togetherness as we're watching mm, that, yeah. but but you're just cringing when you're watching the other one, and you denounce that one. Yeah, like it's a it's because a dichotomy it's, that's yeah. very interesting. It's, it's unfantasized murder. Yeah. So in the in in Sweeney Todd, you're I feel like you're still playing with the outer layer. Like you're getting yourself thinking. You haven't tapped into the visceral fear. You're still playing, and that's why it's fun. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that lo- you know, the, yeah. the blood looks fake. Mm-hmm. It's super comical. He just slices him and just hits the thing, and then you go, whoop. That's why. That's why I picked Chainsaw because I needed something. That yeah. If we we're gonna do horror, well, I needed yeah. it. Well, real. What's, what's interesting because we watched those two movies back to back, and we re- recognized as we were watching them, this is a good pairing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. besides the um, the cannibalism, which we picked. Two movies, yeah. yeah. Three movies. Three movies. <laughs> yeah. Cannibalism. Involving cannibalism. Yeah. But um, I think. <laughs> what does that say about us? Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Who's still here on this I was, episode? I was Who's almost, still here? I was almost going to watch uh, Silence of the Lambs. I'm like, no, that's too many. 
Yeah, another time. Another time. But here's another similarity with Texas Chainsaw I noticed too, is that these are both movies about characters descending into hell, mm -hmm. except in one movie we're following the, the victim and the other we're following the monsters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we're watching their slow descent here, right? And instead of, this is with a commentary we were listening to earlier, Jason, is like uh, you, when you don't extend forgiveness... Yeah. And love, right? Your enemy, like, right? That whole thing yeah. that Christ teaches. Turn into a monster. This yeah. is what happens. Yeah. This yeah. is where you can go, right? Yeah. This is because you become someone who perpetuates these cycles of, of injustice mm -hmm. and evil and all these things because the judge and Sweeney Todd have the same perspective on the world. Yeah. You have the scene where the judge sentences, right? The, the, <laughs> the boy. Yeah. yeah. And you, and so you have this judge of this idea of like, nobody's innocent. Yeah. They ask and like, so is he shortly, guilty? And he's like, right. I'm sure he was guilty of something. Right. Like, and geez. Sweeney has the same perspective though. When he sings and what my favorite song of the musical is, is epiphany where he says they all, all deserve to yeah. die. Mm -hmm. And that's his moment where he becomes like the judge even more so. Right. And that's, where he's going to perpetuate this cycle mm -hmm. because again, him and uh, Tim Burton's wife, Miss Lovitz, right? That's when his they're wife? on the, yeah, that's his wife. What? Um, that's why she's in all his movies. Mm -hmm. when, when they're on the bottom, basically, oh, okay, we're going to take like these priests, these judges, like these people on the top, and yeah. we're going to, we're going to serve them to each eat other. Eat the rich, literally. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that was a legit fear in the eight, in this time period of the late 1800s. This was a fear people had. Really? Of the lower classes. They're is that, real? yes, cannibalism was a really real fear. Uh, and there's lots of stuff written about it. And I mean, if you go down the rabbit trail of like the legend of Sweeney Todd and how far back that goes and how different countries have these like legends of barbers who... A barber and a and a meat pot, right? There's yeah. there's lots of different versions of the story that have been told for hundreds of That's years. Wild. But so it's a story that really has meant something to people. In that song Epiphany, we see like the final, there's no turning back in yeah. that moment, right? When he lets the judge go and he realizes that they all deserve to die. And you see his psychological state through the song where you see like he'll cry out for Joanna and for Lucy, right? Well, he flips and, right back. Well, yeah. yeah. And the idea is that like he's looking up. It's his last time looking up. Like he's severing mm. that relationship, that connection with uh, something higher than himself. Mm. And he's basically looking up at it and saying, I'll never have this again. Mm. And then, okay. then he starts looking at people and going, you, sir, you, sir, right? Yeah. And he starts to set his... All he can see is what's in front of him now, right? Yeah. And then he tries to look back up and it just gets dragged yeah, back down. And it's just, you see his his mind deteriorating yeah. like through song. And like all the songs have things like that that are trying to show you their, their what's going on, right? Even like the little things of like Miss Lovett's like saying, just wait. I've been thinking flowers, pretty day. <laughs> like you see there's so much good stuff like that you're learning about like these characters, right? And the way that Burton is pulling that all together, I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. Like some of the, I'm just reading oh. a couple lines from the songs. Yeah, right my here. name is like, Todd Men devouring, you know, each name. other out there. Who are we to deny <laughs> it in here, ball. right? There's such a depravity yeah. that is like put on display in this film. And it culminates in that moment where... Like you said, he doesn't even recognize yeah. his own wife there, 
And then he's 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 got his revenge. He's he gets what he wants, and he realizes that he could have had something so much more. Mm. And he's mourning. He's looking down. Right. He can't even look up anymore. Even when he realizes what's what's happened, mm. he can't he he can't look up anymore, and he can't look ahead. And that's his downfall because somebody does want to kill him. Mm. And it's this boy who. That's a whole other story. That is the last time he looks up. He does do this. And it's like, he realizes he can't. He just looks down. And this boy, there's a whole other story in him, right? About Mm -hmm. his narrative. But then you find that this boy, you know, who just wants a mom, nothing's going to harm you. Not while I'm around. And then she locks him in In the the basement and sings calling for him when he escapes nothing's gonna harm i'm like she is the worst character she is the most savage character in this movie right because sweetie's not even hiding that he's gonna kill him but she totally is using this using his love and kindness (laughs) against him oh gosh johnny depp's delivery is just so good in this movie but then of course now he slits his throat right which is Mm -hmm. very poetic Mm -hmm. but it also means that this boy has now been brought into the cycle yeah and it echoes the line that joanna says when she escapes with anthony and anthony's like all the ghosts will go away Mm -hmm. and joanna says no they'll never go away that line is horror for me in a Mm -hmm. nutshell even if you break free of it you're never gonna forget the experience and it's changed you in some way. Mm -hmm. And that's the most horrific thing about that movie is Mm -hmm. everyone has undergone an experience that has changed them and has brought them to some sort of tragic path. And all these stories that glorify vengeance Mm -hmm. that try to get you to sympathize with vengeance. This movie illustrates better than maybe any other I've ever seen how vengeance poisons the soul. Yeah. And that is the true horror. Yeah. I was trying to think about this before we started. What is the unifying theme of these films? Of Invasion, of Texas Chainsaw... The Fly, Little Shop, Sweeney Todd. Losing yourself. Dehumanizing. Dehumanizing by an overemphasis and an unhealthy focus on the flesh. On the the Mm. flesh, right? Invasion, it was the fear of what the flesh could be, of what the flesh around me was like, Mm. and that lack of, you know, who are of trust and who are they becoming. Mm. In Texas Chainsaw, it was what can be done to the flesh. It was in the fly. It was what can come out of the flesh. Mm. In little shop, it's what can happen to my flesh. Yeah. And Sweetie Todd, it's devouring the flesh. Yeah. You know, so it's like I, I feel like it always came back to that dehumanizing by an overemphasis on the flesh. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's right on point. Anything we want to end with, guys? Sounds like sin to me. Sounds like sin to me. Well, with that, we're gonna go eat some meat pies. <laughs> See, we well, put I we guess. put the meat pies in, <laughs> in the oven, and then we take the meat pies in our stomach, <laughs> and then we just all eat the meat pies. <laughs> Final thoughts on horror as we start to wrap up. Um, eight out of ten. Sweeney nine, Todd. Yeah. Nine, no. See, Sweeney Todd's a ten, Sweeney is a ten out of ten for me. I give it a nine it's, for get me to like a musical. It's, it's one of the best <laughs> films I've ever seen. 
Uh, I think the fly I'd rate higher. But, he, but yeah, but I really, really enjoy Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Can I have to yeah. get into point fives? Wait, did we 8. not do 5? Silence of the Lamb? No. Uh, did you watch did you it? Watch yeah, it? I did. Oh, I give it a five out of ten. What? Yeah, I give it a five out of My ten. My mom said that was the scariest. Some people say it's one of the greatest seen. movie horror movies ever. It's boring. Is it really? I really wrote it. I really wrote in it. I think I did. Um, it's boring. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was just boring. I, the ending long? was dope when he escaped. That was my favorite part. Yeah. But is it too long? Because I feel like horror movies do better when they're shorter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's probably what it was. Yeah. I think I think uh, where I'm at with this is just, I guess a, a closing thought from me. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but I'm still not certain on where I land with whether horror is necessary as a genre or not, or how it is. Because once you put something out into the world, into media, you no longer have any control of its interpretation. Right. Right. And what's it's out there? Is it doing more harm than good? You cannot yeah. control. You can tell people you're. This is what it means. Yeah, and right. you have no. You can't do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I would just say that it has a place, and that everybody has to figure out their own place within that. Ooh, and yeah. you really can't control interpretation within anything that you make at yeah. all. Right, but if this this is so close to 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 sin and to evil, whether influencing it or driving away from it, is it doing more harm than good? That's yeah, we can th- say that for everything, but nothing dances as close as horror does. I think that may not be true. I think it's just a different depiction. It's just so much in your face, where other genres are so subtle, kind of like uh, the what Miss Love It. Mm-hmm. Her sin was the most evil, but it wasn't it was like Johnny Depp's. Johnny yeah. Depp's was pure horror, revenge, mm-hmm. and murder, mm-hmm. but hers was deception. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can't really judge which one is worse. I think yeah. every genre has a place, and I think yeah. well, we what, have to find our place with. I forget it. who said that's in, what in, the series is all about. Yeah, yeah I forget who said it in the in the podcast, but um, I like that they said that horror should be like either an example. Um or was that you that said that? Yeah. It should either yeah. drive you toward away from evil yeah. or towards like towards Christ, really, yeah. ultimately. Like mm-hmm. the beauty yeah. of humanity, like the the things that uh everyone lost in yeah. the invasion of the body snatchers. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if it is really going to be something that is actually worth watching, it should do one of those two things. Mm-hmm. But you can't control that for everyone yeah. either. And it's just, you know. We also can't deny that horror exists. Yeah. No. We yeah. can't deny that that these abominations are somewhat in the world. Yeah, and yeah. that yeah. The, these feelings, these expressions, um, there is a place to tap into it. Yeah. Um, if at all, just to become more like aware yeah. of mm-hmm. that's good. That's your important. your emotional yeah. Yeah. journey or story yeah. <laughs> that's it that's, that's 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 a good place to end so thank you guys so much for checking out this episode happy Halloween to you all if that's something you celebrate or whatever kind of thing like that you know I got people all over the world that listen to this so whatever you I'm know. dressing up to go get some candy I ain't you know <laughs> I yeah. want to be too Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back um, in a couple weeks for another episode, and we'll be back next month with another why we love. So thank you so much, and until next time, let's have some priest. Don't spend too much time in hell. You may not find your way out. Dang! Dang! Dang. End on that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs>